Oh, Michael Scott. You know, the thing about Michael Scott is he would say the most awkward things, but oftentimes they were things that everybody knew was true. You just, you know, you're not supposed to say them. And when he says something like, you know, the great thing about Christmas is you can put a dollar amount on how much you really like somebody. You wouldn't say that's true, but let's face it, you've had the conversation in the dining room where you talk about how much you're going to spend on each person in your life, right? Okay, you want to get something for that lady at work you're friends with? Okay, how much are we going to spend on her? Like five bucks, ten bucks, what are we going to do? All right, how about your parents? How much are we going to spend on them? Well, what did they get us last year? Okay, what are we going to do? Well, you know, they have been nice. Sometimes you think through that in some way, and you put like different spending amounts on each group of people. So on the one hand, right, we, would, we, we all know that it's the thought that counts, right? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, man. You know, she's, <laughs> I don't know what's going on behind that, but it's the thought that counts. Can I get an amen, not a, uh, yeah, amen, all right. She's like, <laughs> better not think that. Um, it is the thought that counts, but also on the other hand, we also know there's truth in that there's some truth that your money and your affections are attached to each other in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I don't know if, uh, is Black Friday still a thing? Yes? No? Um, I, I'm not sure. Last year it wasn't a thing. Like, we, like, it was all canceled. Like, if you, went, tried, if you tried to go shopping on last year, Black Friday, they didn't want you there at all. This year, I'm not really sure if they want you there at all. They want, do they want you this weekend? Some people are like, this is Black Friday starts now. Some are saying it still starts Thursday night, so just skip dinner and go shopping. Some are doing back to the midnight. The f- I don't know what it is anymore. I just know that the stats from years ago always talked about how 77% of people who go Black Friday shopping will end up spending more on themselves than they do on anybody else. <laughs> anybody guilty? Now, some of you are like, no, 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 no. But you have to add in the fact that you went by Starbucks on the way, you ended your day at the food court. That there alone oftentimes is more than you spend on some folks. You went ahead and found another outfit for yourself. You bought something for somebody else and said, you know, I wouldn't mind one of those too. Or you also found some more decorations or something for the house or something for the office that, let's face it, that was for everybody in the family. But it's also something that you wanted for everybody else in the family. And you know that nobody else in the family would have bought that thing, so that's why you bought that thing. Um, or you go shopping. It just happens. Like, I'm going shopping for somebody else, but I find myself at Home Depot. (laughs) Maybe the kids might want a hammer. I don't know. Um, This fall, we've been looking at, uh, we started looking at the the fact that God commands us to love him. And we talked about the reason why God commands us to love him is because who you love is the, the most important thing, most important decision you'll make in your life. It determines who you are, what you value, uh, what you do, what your priorities are. And, and God's looking at you saying, I'm the one who loves you the most. And I created this world and I created you. And this life is about nothing more than you developing and growing and establishing and beginning a loving relationship with me that you'll enjoy for all eternity. Because it's the only thing from here that you can enjoy for all eternity. That's why that's what matters most. So we've been asking the question, you know, how is it that we express our love for God? Now, how is it we give God our heart? Well, the problem there is, is we don't often know where our heart's at. Uh, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? And it's true. We, we don't always know it. That's why Pastor Micah right now has been talking to our youth on Sunday nights about love and romance and relationships. And there's so much confusion there. And it's, it's hard enough when you're in your 20s, 30s, and 40s to figure out love and romance. 
Think about what it was like back the first time around. I mean, you think you love somebody, but you really don't. You don't really know where your heart's really at, and all these emotions come in. Is it love at first sight, or is it just infatuation? I don't know. The heart will lie to you. It'll tell you something, and then it's not even true at all. And so we've been talking about how is it that we really express our love to God. That's what this whole series is about. This kind of follow-up series is here's my heart. How do we give God our heart? Uh, well, one week we, we talked about it being expressed in forms of worship and our love. It, worship is sort of a, an extreme form of love where we may lose all sense of dignity or self-respect in the expression of it. And so we had a morning where we just spent the morning worshiping and, and singing. But deep down we all know that you can sing a love song to somebody and not really love them. You can say, this is our song, but really have your heart somewhere else. In the same way, you can go to church and not really have given your heart to God. Then last week, we talked about how it's possible to come to church and sort of think that you're a Christian, but not really even be a Christian at all. And so Jesus tells a story about this, the parable of the seeds, that some people, they begin this relationship with God and they believe in God, but that's all it is. They believe in God. They don't really have a loving affection for God. And so later on when somebody says, hey, yeah, but what about Jonah and the whale? What about six days creation or all these other things in the Bible that are hard to prove? And you believe in God, but now you don't believe in God. You're not really sure what you believe. Or sometimes it's just the hard things that come up in life. And so because difficulty comes in, you say, well, I used to believe in God, but now I don't. Um, Or still other things. He said there's other people who it's just the distractions in life, the other stuff in life that comes between us and God. And so eventually we just, God just isn't a priority. And we think we love God, but we really don't. We love a lot of other things too. And so it's hard to know what it is that we really love. Well, how is it that we can really know what we love? Uh, well, we have an expression. Michael Scott kind of hits on it. Uh, he says, you know, you can, Christmas is a time where you tangibly tell somebody how much you love them. Uh, we have other words like follow the money, right? Isn't that what every accountant will say? If you want to know the true story about what somebody really believes or somebody really values in a corporation or a company or an organization, follow the money. Uh, what do we say to somebody who talks a big game? They say they really believe in something, they really think their team's going to win, or they really think that this is, a, this is the worthwhile place to invest in, or this is something they really ought to do. What do you say to that person? Put your money where your mouth is, right? Because talk is cheap. Oh, yeah, some of you are like, preach, preach. I've been telling you that for years. Uh, Talk is cheap, right? And we know that instinctively. But that's not just stuff we've learned. Jesus said the same thing, didn't he? Or similar, same, same idea. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Is that not the exact same sentiment? Is that not the exact same truth? It is. Uh, Why? Because you can say a lot of things, but when it comes to our money, it's a tangible way to let us know where our heart really is. We can lie to ourselves, but the money typically doesn't lie. It just speaks truth. Which is why Jesus talked more about money than he talked about baptism, heaven, hell, prayer, faith, hope, all of those things combined. Because money has a way of clarifying what the heart's confused. Money has a way of clarifying what the heart has confused. It shows you what you really value. That's why we probably say value on something. There's 2,350 verses on the, in the Bible just about money. Uh, one out of every 10 verses in the Gospels, that's the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One out of every 10 verses deals with money, possessions, or stuff. 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus told were about money, possessions, and stuff. Uh, if you think about it, you know, God's talking a lot about money. Why? Is God heavily concerned about your money? Only to the extent that your money points to where your heart's really at. God wants your heart. The problem is it's so subjective when we talk about what we love, isn't it? 
It's very subjective. How do you put a, how do you really know? I mean, how does anybody really know? What if there was an objective way to measure where your heart really was? Well, there is. That's what your money is. Now, when we talk about a loving relationship with God, we're talking about putting God number one in our life, that God would be the number one thing in our life, our number one source of meaning, happiness, purpose, and significance, that God would be, that there would be, you know, God is my God, there's no other gods before God, isn't that one of the Ten Commandments, right? That, you know, you love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, and mind. All, we, we, we look at all those passages of the Old Testament. And then we go through the Old Testament, we say, yeah, but these people had a real problem. Idol worship was always an issue in the Old Testament, right? And we have this moment where we're like, well, good thing I'm not following for that, right? We've dealt with the idol worship thing. Idols were never about the little statues. They were about what they represented. They were about what was really in the heart behind them. Uh, And today, the deep idols of the heart are still there. When you care about something else more than you care about your relationship with God. It could be uh, influence or power. It could be your appearance or um, how people see you. Uh, It could be your emotional or physical comfort. Uh, It could be relationships. Um, It could be control. Oftentimes, those are things we love more than anything else. And at at the heart of each one of those things is ourself. Is it any wonder that Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself? Why? Because deep down, whether you admit it or not, or realize it or not, you love yourself more than anything else. That's why it's hard to go Black Friday shopping for everybody else and leave yourself out of it. It's really, really hard. Try it. Try it. Try try going Black Friday shopping and not buying a thing for yourself. And I already know what you're going to do. You're going to go there, you're going to see something you want. I told the pastor, at least in my heart, that I wasn't going to buy it because I wasn't going to do that. Honey, if you want to know what to get me, it's right here at Target, aisle four, halfway down. You better get it. If you want, I can get it for you now and you can pay me back. Yeah, you all got loopholes. I know you do. Money, though, becomes the vehicle or becomes the means by which we pursue after and chase after the deep idols of our heart. Money becomes the means by which we chase after the deep idols of our heart. If what you really desire and long for is power and control, you're going to see that evidence in your money. Uh, Whether you give contributions or donations or you're a booster to an organization, to a school, uh, to a political candidate or a political party, it's because you want some level of influence or power or control, likely, deep down somewhere in there. Oftentimes, parents will give money to their kids. Why? Because they used to have a sense of power and control over their life. They don't. Now the kids are married. They're older. How do you get power and control over married kids? Hmm. Where are you spending your holidays this Christmas? I really thought with that nice house that we helped you buy, you'd invite us for Christmas this year. Sorry, that never happens. I'm just, I'm, I saw that in a movie once. Sometimes, some employers do this. They want the influence and the power over your life, and so they give you a lot of perks. And they get you so addicted and so attached to the perks of the office, you just can't quit. If your deep idol is out of affection or, sorry, of approval, uh, or the way people see you or being esteemed or appreciated, you'll find you spend a lot of money on how you look and your appearance. Uh, because, you know, if you want people to like you more, oftentimes your appearance will help that. And so you spend a lot of your money on whether it be plastic surgeries or beauty or uh, appearance or hairstyles or clothing. Some of us, we have to find more creative methods to improve our appearance than others. Some of y'all, it just comes easy and natural. It doesn't cost you a whole lot. Others of us, it takes a little more work, Um, especially when you don't have any hair. 
and you're getting older. Um, other people will use their money to buy approval from friends. Oh, let me pay for that. Sometimes what they're really after is just having that sense of approval or appreciation. Other people, their, their deep idol of the heart is that some sort of emotional or physical comfort. And so where they spend a lot of their money is on comfort foods, Starbucks, DQ, a nice steakhouse, something like that, a massage. Uh, they love saying things like, treat yourself, right? <laughs> Why not, right? After all, and, and we laugh about it, but there's some truth that's, you know, sometimes it's because that's what we value most is my own comfort or uh, my own enjoyment. Retail therapy is a real thing for you. You really do feel better in life when you get to go out and spend money. It just, it just makes you, it brightens up your day. And you would never say that it's an idol of the heart, but it's, it's surely something that brings you a sense of deep happiness and joy. For other people, you've been sitting here this whole time judging everybody else because you don't have this problem, right? You don't because you don't spend money. But what you really value is security. You like having the means to be able to buy whatever you want without actually buying whatever you want, right? I remember when my kids were first, you know, getting an allowance. They'd walk into a store and be like, I could buy that. I could buy that. I could buy that. And then they go, hey, Dad. Can you get this for me? I said, I thought you could buy that. Well, I don't want to spend my money. <laughs> what was going on? It was, I like to know that I have the power to be able to get whatever I want. I don't actually want to spend it because once I spend it, I no longer have the power. I want the control. I want the security of it. And it could be for yourself or it could be for your family. But you don't want anybody spending anything. Because that messes with your sense of control. And there'll be fights and arguments in your house over this Christmas season about how much you're going to spend because one of you is focused more on security and the other one is more focused on some other issue, whether it be appreciation or adoration or whatever it may be. And the thing is, is none of those things are bad. Uh, don't hear me saying that spending money on uh, a beauty treatment or hair is bad or going to Dairy Queen is bad. Uh, or saving money is bad. None of those are inherently bad. None, none of this is bad. The issue is when this becomes your primary source of meaning and purpose and happiness and significance. When, when anything else comes in that could be a threat to your ability to achieve that or get that, you beat it away with a stick. Now, this is why nobody wants me to ever talk about money in church. Why? Deep down, it could be because it's threatening the very thing that you like to spend your money on, which ultimately is me. And then when God comes in and says, well, what about me? You go, yeah, what about you? Why don't you stay where you're supposed to stay in your lane, God? <laughs> this is my stuff, right? But God says, everything you have comes from me. So acknowledge that by giving me the first. Give me the first tenth. There's a great opportunity, I don't know if you all took advantage of this or not, but Halloween is one of the best times to teach tithing to your kids. Now see, some of you are like, that is horrible, taking the candy from the kids, how dare you? It's for Jesus. It's to teach a spiritual principle. And I find deep satisfaction in doing those things, and if I have to eat the candy, I will. <laughs> but what happens when you ask your child for a tenth of their candy? 
Do they get real possessive over it? It's not yours. I earned this candy, really. When you was out doing all that hustling for the candy on the street, what were you wearing? Where did you get that? The neighborhood you're in, how did you end up in that neighborhood? Whether we live there or we just, well, our family does, we go to somebody else's neighborhood where there's better candy. <laughs> right? You didn't ride your bike to that neighborhood. You didn't buy a house in that neighborhood. Right? Somewhere there should be some acknowledgement that all the candy in that bucket, that bucket that you have, by the way, is one I supplied, and the outfit you had on was one that I supplied. None of that would have happened if it wasn't for dear old dad, right? So, could you give me the tenth? Then what happens? All right. You can have the Tootsie Roll, the, cir- <laughs> the circuit peanut, circus peanut, the piece of licorice. Now, I know some of y'all love that stuff. That's fine. Yeah, some of y'all don't. You can have the raisins. <laughs> but better not lay a finger on my butterfinger. <laughs> it's because deep down, I love me. And we do the very same thing. And Jesus tells stories about this. You know, right after he says, you know, your money is where your, uh, your, your heart is where your money's at. Right after that, he says, nobody can serve two masters. You're going to love one, you're going to hate the other. You're going to love God and hate money, or you're going to hate the money and you're going to love God. Did I say that right? Did I say the same thing twice backwards? Yeah. You're either going to love God and hate money, or you're going to love money and hate God. One or the other is going to happen in your life. He says that right after that. Um, he tells a story, though, over Matthew 19 uh, about a guy who's referred to as a rich young ruler. And there's this guy who comes up and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, or he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns to him and he says, why do you call me good? Isn't only God good? Well, have you kept the commandments? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you know, all of them. But which, which one are you referring to? Well, have you uh, not committed adultery, not lied, not stolen anything, not coveted, honored your mother and father? Uh, loved your neighbor as yourself. Oh, I've done all this stuff. So what else do I need? And Jesus says this. If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give them all to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I know what y'all are thinking right now. All you are thinking is, number one, you better not tell me this means we all have to sell everything we have in order to have a right relationship with God. But if y'all been here long enough, you, you know, long enough, you know I'm not going to say that. So the rest of y'all in this room are thinking to yourself, I, I know this means I don't have to sell everything, but I really want you to tell me why. <laughs> Come on, you know that's what you were thinking. Or do we have to sell everything? Well, the key to this passage is, in the last little piece, it says he went away sad. Uh, he went away sad. Imagine what it would be like right now if you were to lose everything. Everything you have is lost. You know, Great Depression hits, uh, there's a run on the banks, whatever it may be, somehow, some way, you lose everything. Could be runaway inflation, could be whatever it is, everything you have is gone. Let's just, let's just play inflation since that's an issue right now. Let's just say that the value of a dollar uh, becomes absolutely worthless. This has happened in several economies to where literally it costs you $100,000 to go grocery shopping. That's happened in countries where inflation gets that out of control. Imagine that's what it now costs. You could sell your house and you could eat for a week. Imagine you lose everything. But you still have Jesus 
Are you okay with that? It's easy right now to say yes, hypothetically. Job had to face that reality, didn't he? He lost everything, including his family and his health. And what's he say? You know, naked I came into this world and naked I'll leave. But the name of the Lord's going to be praised. I'm still going to worship. Can I accept the good from God and not the bad? No, I'm going to worship God. He says, Lily, if I have God, then I have everything I need. That's all that really matters. You know, sometimes there's some clarifying moments that will come into your life in these sort of things. When you truly will be threatened with losing everything. Maybe a storm is coming in and you pack up your house knowing full well that it's not insured and you're driving off to higher ground and you may come back to nothing. But you might still have that sense, you know, everything I really need is in this car right now. And if I have everybody in this car, I'm okay. Well, this guy looks at the idea of becoming a nobody, of losing all of his stuff, and it says he went away sad. That's not a really good word. Uh, better word was he went away grieved. Um, it's a word that Matthew's going to use again later on in this book. He uses it here in Matthew 19 to talk about, he says he went away grieved. Later on, he, he uses this very same word of Jesus when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he goes to his close friends, he says, can you guys pray for me? He says, can you pray for me because my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. It's the same word. Uh, one translator just, you know, uses this to, to translate the same word, says, where your soul is crushed to the point of death. It'd be the exact same translation if you were to say, and the guy went away crushed. He went away grieved like his soul had just been crushed. Because for him, the thought of losing his money was losing everything. He would lose his prominence, his power, everything he put his whole life into, he'd be losing. Jesus in the garden has the exact same reaction to the thought of going to the cross. What does going to the cross mean for him? When he goes to the cross, he's going to take upon, take upon himself the sin of the world. He's going to become all of our sin in that moment. And when he takes on the sin of the world, it's going to separate him from who? The Father. Remember the cross? He cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knows that's what's coming. He knows that when he becomes sin on behalf of humanity, that's going to separate him from God. And who is God to him? Who is the Father to him? It's everything, isn't it? For him, this life and his life has been about nothing more than the loving relationship that he shared with the Father for all eternity. That's been his whole world. It's the whole reason why he came, the reason why he loves humanity and is willing to give his life for humanity is because of his love for the Father. And if he loses the Father, what does he lose? Everything. Everything. And so the very thought of losing his relationship with the Father, it says it moves his soul crushed with grief to the point of death. Because losing him means he's losing the core of his identity and his security. He's losing his very self because he's losing, losing the father. For this guy, he had the same reaction when he thought about losing his money. So what is Jesus saying to him? Same thing he's saying to you and to me. I wish you loved me like I loved you. Jesus is literally willing to go to hell and back for you. To give up everything for you including his intimate, close, loving relationship with the Father. Because you're that precious to me. I love you that much. And he's coming back and just saying, I really wish you loved me that much. And if what could crush you is losing anything in this world other than your relationship with God, 
then God surely isn't the thing you love the most. Something else is. So where does that leave us? Um, this is hard because I don't want the end result of this to move you to some place of guilt where you go through your finances and go, well, how much does God really mean to me? I don't know. Or I see all the other stuff people of other people have bought and I'm going to go gorge myself on some food this week. I better make up for that real quick. I, I've never been about guilt giving. Um, God never wants you to give out of a sense of guilt. Because when you give out a sense of guilt, there's this like grudge, right? Like, all right, fine. God says, though, I, I love a, a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Let's go back to the Michael Scottisms of understanding this. Over the next month, you're likely to probably, because it's cultural tradition, buy some presents, right? There are going to be some presents that you love buying a lot more than other presents, right? There are some presents that right now you want to get for somebody you love. Could be a romantic relationship, could be your kids, could be a friend of yours, could be somebody who's helped you out a lot this year and you just really want to get them something special. Or maybe your heart's so moved with them and you, know, you see a need that they have and you know just the thing that's going to meet that need and so you go and you're going to buy that for them. I remember one year uh, my sister wanted a leather jacket and my parents wouldn't buy it for her and it was like over a hundred bucks and when you're like ninth grade, hundred bucks is a lot of money. Like it's like a mortgage payment kind of thing for you, right? And I remember I, I, I went and bought her a leather jacket just because I wanted to have his most. It's to this day is one of the favorite presents I've ever bought anybody in the world. Um, just because I wanted to, right? And be, over this, of course it's Christmas. There's going to be a present like that that you're going to get, right? There's also going to be some have-to buys, right? His mom, co-worker, neighbor, somebody, right? There's going to be a half-to present. I don't know who it's going to be. There's going to be a half-to buy. One, you're going to do out of a sense of guilt or grudge. The other, you're going to do with joy and excitement. Why? I, I would venture to guess that there's a hard affection behind both of those emotions. Is there not? God's saying, I want to be over on this side here. Where you, where it's like I want to be, I want to be, your, I want your offering, your gift to be like the leather jacket feeling. Were you just so in love with me, so overjoyed that you want to give this? I don't want to be the coworker gift. I don't. I'd rather you just not got it. Right? Why? Because God wants your money. No, he just wants to be in the heart category. You see that? He wants to be in that category. When you have that list of the people you want to give to, he wants to be on that category. It's your heart that he wants most. Let's close in prayer. Father, I don't really know what to say to get somebody to move you from one category to the other. Other than to simply just reflect about how I got there someday, one day. 
Father, just taking in that everything in this world is yours. Everything I have is from you. I can't take anything in this world with me. My relationship with you is the only thing that ultimately matters in this life. A thousand years from now, every present I ever buy will be, will be completely gone. The only thing of any value will be what it is I've given to you. Which is why you say, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy or cannot take them away. Because everything else we spend money on this Christmas will one day fade, end up in a junk pile, be forgotten. Except for the things of eternal significance and value that we've given to you. So Father, may we love you with such a cheerful giving heart that we truly value you above everything else. May we someday get to the place where what would grieve us most is what grieved the heart of Jesus Christ to be separated from you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.